Welcome to Urban Bitch Tourism with Amber and Veronica, as well as our many wonderful guests. Hey, 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 guys! So today we decided to introduce a new uh, style <laughs> of making our podcast. And it will be called 10 Crazy Questions. <laughs> so at first I decided to do it for Amber because usually she asks the questions whenever we invite any guests. But we don't know anything about her. So <laughs> let's have um, some funny moments uh, getting to know better our main <laughs> facilitator. Amber, welcome! Thank you Giga so much! Thank you so much! <laughs> okay, so today we finally, finally, yes, submitted <laughs> our draft and uh, we're celebrating it with a nice, um, what is it, bottle of wine? <laughs> I wanted to say glass, but <laughs> actually it's a bottle. So Amber, I want you to start since the main topic is traveling for all of us and tourism. Since we study tourism, boring, yes, <laughs> when you have to actually write about this 100 pages, but what to do. Then I wanted to start with the question number one, and this is the, what was the craziest moment in your travels that you have experienced so far? The craziest moment in my travels. I am thinking, so this is all on the spot. <laughs> so, yeah, we didn't prepare. So I'm just going to try to go with what comes to mind first. So Perfect. we have talked before about our insane Morocco taxi adventures to airports. So I will think of a new one this time. But I would say I am instantly bringing to mind a time when I was studying in Qingdao in China and I intended to go to Vietnam. I was doing some travels for the Chinese New Year and I had just decided to map it out on the way. So I flew out of my home city where I actually had a house and everything that was established and I went to Shenzhen, which was a city in the south that was warm and I was so excited to go there. And I had like one or two nights and I explored and I booked my, the entire rest of my travels that night. Like I was there with some takeout food and I just booked three weeks of travels and I was basically ready to go to the airport the next day to travel to Vietnam. But my visa that I had applied for, because that one, I had a little bit of thought that I wanted to go there. So I had applied in advance because I'm an early planner when it comes to travel, but I didn't know the specific dates. And so I went to the airport. I didn't have my visa yet, which I had done online and I knew it was supposed to come by that day. And I got to the airport and I got through like to my check-in and they said, you can't board this plane because you don't have your visa. And I said, well, I have my application and my receipt and everything. And they're like, nope, that's not how it works. <laughs> and so I went to cry in a Starbucks. And then I had hope. I had hope returned to me because I realized, hey, I'm still in China. I've got my Weixin, my WeChat app. So I had money. 
And I was like, I'm just gonna get another place to stay, like another hostel right now in the Starbucks. <laughs> Go there for a couple nights and figure out what's gonna happen. I might lose a lot of money on my trip. <laughs> and I went to this hostel, they were really friendly. It was so weird going back into the city because I thought I was saying goodbye already and I was like, I'm back. <laughs> and I went and sat in their little lobby for four hours on my computer like a digital nomad and just tried to figure out solutions. And then four hours ended and I got an email that said my Vietnamese visa was approved. Oh, no way. So I booked a ticket for the next day and my travels were saved. <laughs> That's an incredible story. I can't believe it. I hope it inspires some of our <laughs> listeners to try the same. Well, don't go that wild. Okay, the next question would be <laughs> that I don't know if it's related to that story. Mm. Your first cultural shock. Ah, my first cultural shock was in Slovenia. It was the first time that I really left North America and went abroad and honestly it's funny because now I feel like I've had much worse cultural shocks but when I showed up I just directly had to get in line at the student office with all my luggage all my stuff and pick a room at any building they just gave me a choice I just pointed at a picture because the room was closest to the university and it ended up being a Slovenian only dorm And also one of the shittiest storms in LJ, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> um, but that was considered by everybody. And it was 89 euros a month for my rent wow. in that place. But I would say that despite the direct immersion, which happened there, I met a lot of cool people, including my roommate there, who was super sweet. She could have been so pissed that I moved into the tiny little dorm that we shared a room <laughs> um which it looked like she had been living there on her own for a while and i just came in she wasn't there i was scared i was like what's going on it's kind of a mess because they had had a party and i just wrote a note because my phone wasn't charging because i put my i put my adapter in my big luggage like a fool and one of my bags was lost <laughs> so i was asking around the dorm with Well, I didn't know any Slovenians, so just English, <laughs> asking for an adapter, and the sweet people in the front desk offered to help, and they also helped me order pizza for dinner, and I asked for, I wanted pepperoni, I wanted pepperoni pizza, because I was coming from the States, but they didn't know what that was, like, they, on the phone they assumed I would just ask for peppers. So I was then later informed by literally every student in the, the local dorm. They were laughing at me and they were like, why didn't you ask for salami? And I was like, what? So I had a huge pizza with uh, peppers, pepperoncinis all over it. Wow. No, we didn't have a chance to uh, experience living in a Slovenian dorm. I don't know if it's for the bad or for the worse, <laughs> but yeah, it sounds really cool. At least it was your first experience, and it was one of the most memorable, memorable ones, I'm sure. Mm. All right, so <laughs> it would be, since we were talking about the food, mm -hmm. <laughs> I assume it would be interesting to know what food you miss from home, except pepperoni pizza. <laughs> That's a good question. I, oh gosh. 
It's hard not to say B for barbecue to start. <laughs> but I feel like, huh. Yeah, I think something I was reflecting on today was just holiday food because I. That's probably the thing I miss the most when I'm living somewhere else, just because some of the holiday food I'm used to at home is not always available, or the decorations, or just like things that are going on. But I would say today I was specifically missing this apple cider, not alcoholic, although they do do that as well, but apple cider slushies. Mm. It is like frozen ice, apple, like, farm apple cider because I'm thinking specifically of Arbor Day Farm <laughs> and it's just like a very delicious fresh these apples from the orchard um, treat that usually you would have with like caramel apples or something during the fall so that's what I'm thinking of today <laughs> oh wow yeah it would be so nice to try it especially here in Sevilla when it's so hot <laughs> that could be refreshing but all right so in this way could you say uh, what is the best country for foodies for people like you <laughs> that mm. search for some local and not really local food at every new place i feel like a place that i'm thinking about with food and beverages that's amazing is vietnam <laughs> which I did mention. There are many places that I would say are the case, but I think because I was only there for a few weeks as a tourist, I was really exploring a lot of foods and I just feel like the banh mi's, like the sandwiches, all the different soups, which I don't know all the names to, and the desserts, the drinks, especially coconut coffee. Like oh I, again, iced coconut coffee. <laughs> which I basically became addicted to while I was there. Um, I think that's a really cool place to go and amazing because they have so much street food. So you can get really affordable options and all over. And actually the best on me that I had, the sandwich, was a parking lot vendor. <laughs> like <laughs> close to where I was staying, I was at this uh, local kind of B&B situation. Mm. And they, had, they were like, oh, you really want to try that? You should go to our, our neighborhood one, and it was just in the parking lot, and it was absolutely delicious and amazing, full of fresh vegetables and lots of, I don't know, contrasting flavors, sour, sweet, that kind of thing. It was delicious. Surprisingly, you can find some weird places where you can get amazing food. <laughs> All right, so some of these episodes you've probably lived and you've been alone or with some other people. So that brings us to the question, what do you think? So traveling versus traveling with your friends, with other co-travelers, what are your pros and cons regarding that? I would say it's been a while since I feel like I've properly solo traveled, <laughs> which is why I'm doing a trip coming up Ooh. to Lisbon by myself, which is a short one. I would say the times that I've traveled where I was just on the road um, myself for a long time, it does take me back to that, um, the trip when I went to Vietnam, Malaysia, South mm -hmm. Korea, because I was sort of just exploring a lot, which was super fun. I think that's part of what's convenient when you're traveling on your own is again, like 
yeah, I picked the destinations like the day of or the day before <laughs> and there's no one else to stress about it. And I was like, okay, like I'll figure it out. So there's less, um, I still like to plan, but there's less need to be fixed to a plan and kind of weigh everybody's different opinions or thoughts. I think when I'm traveling with a group, it's super fun, but I also think I'm way more aware of everyone's different interests and also like, oh, have they gotten to travel a lot lately? Is it their only trip this year or this month or something? Um, so I, in some cases, well, it kind of connects to the last question with foodie things. Mm -hmm. I know that sometimes I'm kind of a food snob about certain situations, <laughs> but I feel like it's easier to do that alone. <laughs> it's easier because when I'm alone, I really, that is something that I don't usually compromise on. Like when it comes to food and drinks, I really want to try something that I think will be delicious. And unlike these past weeks with thesis where food is merely fuel, <laughs> I usually get really excited about trying specific mm. foods. So I think that that really is a, a nice aspect of solo travel. And then with groups, I think it's also really fun because of course it can get lonely when you're on, on your own. It's kind of a balance between freedom and being lonely. It goes back and forth. And when you accept that, it's also like, okay, you recognize a lot of things about yourself, but it's also really special to share travels with friends because then you can have so many goofy stories. And also I think you're put at ease in many ways. Like you have maybe a higher level of confidence in some situations because or relaxation just because you're not the only one. Like if, if something goes wrong, you're like, okay, we'll figure this out. So there is some aspect of other people can make it even more lighthearted if, if situations go wrong. So I think that's also helpful. Definitely these are interesting thoughts because I usually prefer solid traveling, but of course, sometimes you're missing something if you were with somebody else and you could share your experience. So this uh, would be leading us to question number five. And since some countries are not that easy to go alone, but maybe you would do it. So what would be the country that you dream to visit regardless, alone or with somebody else? Mm. So you haven't been there so far. I think I really want to visit the Philippines. <laughs> Yay, JC. <I> <laughs> I have, yes, we have a good friend from there now, and I've met people along the road who were from there, um, watched a few Filipino dramas, aka, or movies, you know, I tend to watch a lot of international film and TV. That's the real reason, I know. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it looks really beautiful, and I think it's also a place, like many destinations, that I don't have a very clear picture of in my mind, I just don't have a lot of stereotypes of what it even is like. I know that it's an island country and I know that people I've met from there are super friendly, uh, which are both good pointers in, the, in a good direction. But I think that that's something where I always like to go to places like that, that I'm, I don't have any real set idea of what it's like because then when I go there, I'm even more pleasantly surprised, I would say, or intrigued just because I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you to go to the Philippines and explore because it's there at the end of this world from where we are now. Yeah, if we're talking about some unusual countries like the Philippines or maybe somebody would say exotic countries, 
I wanted to ask you, maybe you've got some souvenir that was pretty unusual or unexpected to some people. <laughs> so what was it? So I would first say that, you know, exotic is from where you're coming from, mm -hmm. depending. Yeah, that's true. We were talking about <laughs> it. But I would say I'm thinking about a really cool souvenir that's related to cultural heritage. Mm. But it's probably something you also saw, and it's those really cool, uh, basically, I don't know the name of it exactly, it's like a beehive, but the Slovenian style beehive outdoors. They have mm. these really cool wooden painted panels with stories of the local culture. Uh -huh. And I, the first time I lived in Slovenia, I believe I brought one of those home <laughs> for my family but connected to that because that's my first thought and it leads me to my second thought. Another Slovenian product that was absolutely amazing that I still have at my house mm. and would relate very well to my current thesis research mm. because my research has pointed to the fact that when you bring home a tangible memory or one that connects you to your senses, it really like keeps that, that destination in your mind and that's very much true in this case, but it is a honey wax candle, so also connected to the bees, and it's specifically twisted. It's a twisted candle, the color is yellow, it's twisted. The artist who designed the candle is also a local from Slovenia, from Slovenia and I got it from Slovenigradets, a small town that I visited via the Ministry of Tourism board <laughs> trips. Wow. The one we took together in Pirano this past <laughs> year, but the first one I did in 2016 took us to this very small rural town, very hard to get to. Buses took, we, we only had like a day and a half there because mm. the buses didn't run <laughs> well enough, but it was absolutely beautiful there. And the people we met, especially uh, at Perger, which was where we were, this candle shop, uh, a honey shop really, it was a family business and they've been working for generations creating honey products. So they have these candles, they have treats, they have all sorts of different things. And the artist that they had kind of worked with to create the design of this candle, it was based off of Mount Triglav, which is their natural heritage, the mountains they have there. Their section of the Alps, I believe, their small section. I don't know if it's directly connected, but Triglav. And so that candle, I always think of Slovenia and all of the things about it. And when I brought it home in 2016, I put it in a jewelry box. And every once in a while, I go there to smell it and I make my mom smell it because it smells so freaking good, <laughs> like honey. And it takes me right back, transports me to that trip. Wow, that's incredible. So it's like tangible and intangible heritage in one souvenir and you can actually feel it. <laughs> and be in touch with the place where you got it. It's interesting that you mentioned so many countries and I was wondering, so you had some cultural shock in Slovenia, for example, in Vietnam, in China, you experienced a lot. So what kind of stereotypes that you had, maybe you had about some countries, since you mentioned that about the Philippines, you don't really have any ideas. So, what kind of stereotypes you actually prove that they are right when you visited uh, such or such country? Or maybe you actually felt, oh, no, that was all fake news. <laughs> That's an interesting question, because I do think 
in the earlier days of my travels, I was always going to places that I had no no preconceived <laughs> ideas about. And like, I was excited. I did research, but I just didn't have like a clear picture. She primary tickets are going. <laughs> At the time. Um, I really was picking places that I didn't know much about, but I would say, I don't want to, the only one that's coming to mind right away, and I don't want to be mean to them, because <laughs> I know they've heard it a million times, but I will admit, when I was in Paris, <laughs> I didn't receive the best customer service, and it felt pretty in line with what I'd heard before, so I don't know, now having learned more about the tourism context, I understand how Paris has had so many millions of tourists every year and they really deal with a lot of over-tourism. So I would also understand why people would maybe not want visitors and kind of be fed up with them. Not that I think that's the best path, but it definitely was an experience. I had a great time. I was backpacking with two really good friends. But I just, I mean, I remember a TMI, but I needed a bathroom really seriously. And they wouldn't let me use their bathroom unless I bought a drink. And I did use their bathroom, and then I bought a drink. But I felt like horrible. It was a horrible, like, it was just, I mean, it was funny because then after we left, I told my friends, like, just go, just leave. But I had literally bought a drink that I didn't want because they were so, so, uh, <laughs> I guess uh, severe about it, but I would say I think of that more as a funny story now, but it really points to a structural issue, which I have noticed in a lot of European countries, but I think it may be just a difference compared to US, the US, because I think it's something that's always on my mind when I travel, it's more of a practical thing, but I really am always like, why does nobody have public, free public bathrooms everywhere? And I, every time I'm going somewhere, I'm like, huh, and actually, in Copenhagen, for anyone wanting to travel there, they have magnificent, beautiful, historic, even their tourist sites, mm -hmm. bathrooms that are public and free and really fun to find throughout the city. Um, I do know where several of them are by memory. So I would just say that there's, there's some things like like that, I would say, that that was a stereotype that I now hold, uh, for instance, as I just said, about European countries, but I think that it tends to be proven true to me compared to being back in the States. So I think it is hard because there's always going to be things that are different, which doesn't necessarily mean they're right or wrong, but compared to where your origin is and you go there, especially if you're living there for a while, it is hard to, to kind of deal with the shock and the adjustments. And I think back when I used to work in education abroad, they did talk about the roller coaster of emotions and feelings when you go somewhere. Yeah. And in this program recently, we've you know moved somewhere new every six months at least. And so that's not a lot of time. Sometimes you have like honeymoon period, then mm -hmm. the everything shit, then the oh, I'm going to miss it all, and then, you know, there's always a change. So I think you've got to take the good with the bad, but you might you might be surprised if you let down your guard, and I would recommend doing that, because the places that I didn't have a lot of stereotypes about, I learned so much about and got so excited about, and I definitely have met people who, if I mention a certain country or someone says that country's name, they'll be like, oh, I don't want to go there because of this, and I'm like huh, what about all these other things, whether it's somewhere I've been or not, just because 
you don't know. You don't know until you've been somewhere. So I definitely recommend actually visiting before before you make those those assumptions built, you know, hard assumptions. But I also think it's tricky because even we notice this too as travelers that you're only there for a little while and you only see it in a certain context and you are feeling a certain way. If I'm having a really good day, maybe any destination is awesome. <laughs> but if I'm having a horrible day, maybe I'm just like, dang it, it's a spot. <laughs> yeah, so you see how the lack of public bathrooms can affect <laughs> tourism experience. No, but definitely over tourism can be an issue and we faced it. Well, we didn't face it that much uh, because of the COVID pandemic, but now we're going to see how it's returning with the French tourism or not at some destinations. Well, if we, we, we talked about <laughs> public bathrooms, but what another annoying thing mm. that happened to you during your travels? So I skipped that one, didn't <laughs> I? <laughs> huh. Gosh. Well, I will say, and we've had this conversation before, but customer service differences in general are a struggle. I think... Mm. I've experienced both in the States and in East Asia and Southeast Asia very, I guess, I don't want to say just like high customer service, but very hands-on customer service, very, you know, we'll help you, we're happy to help you kind of mindset. And I've also lived in that and worked in that for many years. So for me, I feel, and I know many people, sometimes that gets to people the wrong way, so I understand. but. I also know, you know, in some ways because I've experienced working like that, I'm kind of sometimes in the back of my mind, I just feel like I had to do this. I had to help people and I was friendly and I was respectful and kind. So it has, I would call it both a cultural shock, then I got used to it and I still hate it. But <laughs> when customer service situations, particularly restaurants and cafes, leave the neutral zone. I don't mind the, the neutral zone. I don't really care if they don't care that I'm there to that degree, but when people start getting annoyed at you and rolling their eyes at you or yelling at you or just not really giving a shit, that's where I kind of feel, huh, I miss, <laughs> I miss being home or I miss other countries where people are actually <laughs> friendly. So it, it, it can be both ways. Because on the one hand, you could be at a restaurant in Nebraska and people might come to refill your drink a thousand times and that might be super weird or annoying for some people whereas on the other end you might order your food and you know not see your waiter for two and a half hours <laughs> and that can be annoying on the other end so I would say it's a balance I guess but that's for me that always comes sometimes I don't care as much as other times but when it gets to me I'm like gosh <laughs> That's curious because, well, we all have different level or norms <laughs> of our acceptable customer service. To me, if people are over-friendly, it's weird. <laughs> Why are you <laughs> smiling at me? What do you want from me? <laughs> oh, when like, mm, 
I don't know, waiters start talking of having this uh, chit chat or small talk. <laughs> Please <laughs> stay away. <laughs> no, but definitely I agree, of course, especially when you travel, you want to have some sort of uh, nice service at least. <laughs> well, so now we have so many possibilities to visit so many different places and with their um, that's um, so many technologies uh, developing and mobility uh, in terms of transport mobility we can get on the plane so fast and travel but maybe you would love to have some other superpower that helped you travel in a different way or somewhere else I have, I've known this for a long time and I'm waiting for technology to catch up on it but teleportation True. That for me, even outside of a travel situation, as a superpower, that's what I would want. Because I think part of it probably is that I've been traveling a lot the last few years. Um, but I now know people in so many different places and you don't get to see them all the time. And, you know, technology is amazing in the ways that it can connect you and video calls and phone and everything. That's really, really awesome. But... I just think it would be so convenient if I could just teleport from here to there just for a short, like a weekend or the day. I don't know how it works, you know, maybe maybe you have to re refuel <laughs> after, after you do a long trip, but that would be the power I think I'd like and it could also help you travel more and perhaps address accessibility issues with travel and let and other sustainability. people, <laughs> yes, oh, more people could travel. I'm sure there would be some insane way that every country would try to be like restricting these teleportations, but you know, just do it, <laughs> do it your way. True. I was thinking you would mention space travel, mm. which is almost reality nowadays. <laughs> and I do think that teleportation could help with that as well. I would need to put on the proper equipment first. <laughs> I do feel that is, that is, there was a question that was asked at my family gathering once, which was, "Would if you had the choice, would you rather know, like if we could explore in depth more about one of these two things and you had to pick, and one of them was like the ocean on our planet, or like the depths of the ocean, and the other one was space, and I was in the space crew. I think it would be amazing to learn more about the ocean and the planet because there's so much we actually don't know. And if only we could pay more attention to that and learn and explore that. But I just feel like it's so crazy that we are, we're just one planet in a huge galaxy and there's many galaxies out there. So it's, it's something that I, I used to really love looking at the Hubble telescope or different technology. We did our project with um, International Space Agency and many others. And I learned more about it than I had ever thought of because previously I only knew about you know, the one on everybody's H&M uh, t-shirts, NASA. But <laughs> I learned a little bit more about the different international approaches. And I think space is something that's really neat and we need to keep exploring. And I think it gives you perspective as well because you see how much is out there. And in some ways, I think that can make you feel small. But I also think it ha comes into that uh, wonder and awe situation as well, where it's like, wow. We have so much going on, but we're just part of everything. So, I don't know. To me, it makes me feel more connected to what could be out there and what is out there in general. Yeah, definitely. This is something 
um, interesting to explore in the future because space is the future to me. Well, we are slowly wrapping up. <laughs> And since you're an experienced traveler and almost a tourism practitioner and researcher at the same time, <laughs> so I would love to ask you to give advice to our listeners, to our audience, and to those who wish to travel but haven't done it so far because of some fears or maybe they don't have so many opportunities. What would you recommend them to start with? I would say... There's a few thoughts here, but definitely if you have more barriers that currently don't allow you to travel super far, domestic tourism or nearby tourism, I think is an amazing way to start just because you really don't need to go far to kind of have the aspects of travel affect you, which is being in a new place and an unfamiliar environment where you have to kind of pay more attention, you're looking around, you're, tr you're kind of in a learning mindset just because you don't know exactly what's there or everything around you. So I think that's cool and I think I did a lot more of that actually recently in the last couple of years, even back home in Nebraska, just seeing different places that I had never cared about before or even thought to explore because I was always going somewhere else. So we definitely recommend that. I also think I personally feel like it is amazing to be able to travel and visit another country from wherever you're from because it just kind of opens up your mind a little bit to the fact that things aren't the same everywhere. So there's lots to explore in the fun ways like food and attractions and different nature and things like that. But also I just think the experience that you have is being basically in a, in a more unfamiliar context, which really pushes you again to pay attention. I think that's probably something when I've thought about it, I'm kind of maybe addicted to, but there's something about when you go somewhere very much that's not like home and you have to be on your toes and just kind of absorbing everything, looking around, questioning things, figuring out how to ask for what you need, just interpreting what's going on around you. And eventually, I think you also note that, you know, people are the same everywhere. People all do the same things on the base level, which is cool. Of course, there's also amazing differences to learn about. Um, but I think it's a really cool way to just get out there. And I think that it is scary initially when you haven't traveled a lot. And even when you have, you're still gonna have those feelings of, you know, maybe anxiety or being like, I don't know what I'm gonna do when I get there. I have no idea. I don't know how everything works. So what's gonna happen when I arrive? But my favorite thing to do when you arrive to a new place is to just treat it as if you do live there in a nice way, but just like, okay, I wanna go get lunch today. So where am I gonna go? Or I'm gonna go get a coffee somewhere. And, or I wanna go see something related to art or culture or visit a park. I wanna do something that's like more tangible. And I think, if you start there with simple, a simple focus, then you'll be able to find more things and feel more comfortable quicker. And it doesn't mean you don't have to plan in advance, because I definitely think, especially if you're taking a really long flight or trip, it makes sense to travel uh, and plan a lot, but I would at least schedule in some time during your day to just explore and to just let yourself get comfortable and know that 
once you are at a new destination, you also don't have to be in travel mode the whole time. Like if you're feeling not so well on one day and you need to rest, or if there's another day where you want to explore everything and see every single thing in the city, like you can do that, but you should check in with yourself and not feel guilty if you missed something or, or feel like, oh gosh, like I'm seeing too much, but I'm not seeing the important things. Like it's, it's your travel experience. So it's going to be whatever it needs to be. So I think that's helpful maybe for once you're in destination, if you're, if you're stressed about what's going to happening, what's going to happen there. And I guess the last thought is just in terms of, there's a lot of barriers out there not just you know in your mind or you know being scared about a place but also you know financial access work all of that i think it's very easy for us to prioritize things over experiences and i think sometimes it doesn't have to be huge but if you think about an experience as being something that stays with you for longer then it can be something that you can save some money for or try to apply for some interesting thing that wouldn't have you wouldn't have crossed your mind before or if your work has an opportunity to go for a short trip somewhere take it you know those types of things that I don't know it, you're not gonna always have the same opportunities and I know for many people they don't have the freedom to just travel whenever they want but there are little things you can do and maybe that's a day trip to a city across the country but still within the country you know it doesn't have to be far or the same state or the same province. So I just think being open to those opportunities can also help. And for those in your life who seem to be in front of a good opportunity, advise them to take it because it is, it is great to see what you, can, what you can enjoy out there. And I've never really met people who regret doing their travel. You know, they maybe had hard times and good times, but they've learned something and I think they they have something again that stays with them for longer than just an item or just a you know an amenity you could get at home so I think that it's still worthwhile but you don't have to expect that it's gonna happen today some people it will some people will just up and leave their job leave their home do something crazy but for other people they might plan for a while you might plan for five years and then finally take a trip but I think it's still worthwhile and if it's something that you want to do you should go for it yeah that's true thank you so much for your great insights and i definitely agree the earlier you start the more amazing memorable uh, things you will have in your life so please follow the advice advice that amber shared with us and I hope our audience will start traveling right now <laughs> after listening to this amazing podcast. Stay with us uh, and we would be happy to share with you our thoughts later on. It's been real! Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Urban Bitch Tourism. Stay tuned for our next episodes with many amazing guests, and please check us out on our social media page for Instagram at Urban Bitch Tourism for regular updates.